Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. I need you just kind of as a favor to me to not put out into the universe that Rasmus Bristol and he gets a point tomorrow because I really need Charlie Blues. Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, Toronto Maple Leafs. We are joined once again by Jeff Vayette of CanadaSportsBetting.ca. If you're in Canada, you can do your sports betting there. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How about you? Not bad. Thank you. Um... So before we get into the actual Leafs, I was wondering if you could just, because I don't think a lot of Flyers fans understand why we're playing a hockey game at 2 p.m. on a Thursday. Could you kind of like fill us in on what this is? Because I understand it's like an, an annual thing that the Leafs do. You know, I completely forgotten about it till just now until you brought it up. I'm like, hey, two o'clock. But I'm assuming uh, that means that it's the uh, the next century game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. So so generally, it's just kind of a way for them to kind of get a younger audience uh, into the into the arena. They they get a lot of tickets that go specifically to kids. They have a lot of them uh, helping with game operations, like not as like child labor, but more like, oh, this person gets to be like the one announcing the lineups or they'll get to stand on the bench as the uh, as the coach during warmups or just kind of ways to kind of get. Uh, a younger generation more involved, which is good because, like, if you if you look at who fills up this, the the arena at Leaf games, it's a bunch of uh, people with a lot of money who have been around for a very long time um, that are um, not as not as excitable, and the uh, the younger fans don't really get that that opportunity to 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 get to these sorts of games. So to give them that uh, at least one at least once a, a season is a is a nice little way of the. Uh, the teams uh, attaching to a to a generation that wasn't really spoken to until relatively recently when the team got good again. Yeah, it's a a very cool idea for um, a team that doesn't really have accessible tickets because it's just impossible <laughs> to go yeah, to. I, I mean, I don't even go to games as a right. <laughs> as, as a fan because it's just like oh. It's a lot of money for hockey, especially when your life revolves around being in hockey rinks. Yeah, right. Um, so we last chatted back before the November 2nd game. Um, back when the Maple Leafs were kind of in their early season dramatics period. Yeah, the, the worst the worst team in the league at 4-4-2. Four, four and two, So not actually the worst team in the league, but no, don't tell our like, city that. You know, trade everyone, fire everyone. Everything was very tumultuous as far as Leafs fans were going. Um, but since then, that game, which they, of course, won 5-2 over the Flyers, uh, the Leafs gone 16. As I predicted. You did, didn't you? 
Yeah, uh, entirely off of building off of a friend's meme. But yes, I, I gave it the the five two right on the spot. That's hilarious. So make sure you get it right again. Otherwise, I'm going to roast you forever. Um, yeah, so they've gone 16 and six since that game, which is pretty darn good. So I'm guessing things have settled down as far as the Leafs go. I mean, sort of like... Are, are, we've had multiple major media outlets talk about how they won't be able to afford William Nylander in a year and a half. Pontus Holmberg, who pretty much all your audience right now is going, who? Uh, <laughs> it's been talked about as an offer sheet candidate, which again, who? Um, uh, 24-year-old fourth liner, by the way. Uh, oh, total sure. offer sheet candidate. Yeah, those are the type of guys the teams line up for. Right. And I like the, and I like the kid. Um and uh, even this weekend when they lost back-to-back regulation games for, and I should note this, the first time all season and had their first loss by more than two goals all season, suddenly you started to hear a little bit of that, oh, well, they're losing playoff-style games. Oh, they're, um, you know, the defense is starting to fall apart. Um, then they beat Tampa last night, so come a little bit again uh, today. So, um so we'll see. Like this is, I have a, I have a thing with the Leafs these uh, in these recent years that I like to say um, every win is an asterisk, every loss is a referendum, and that's kind <laughs> of that's kind of where they are right now. Like legitimately, they they went an entire month, like a literal calendar month, without a regulation loss, um, and it was pins and needles in pretty much the entire time. No one was really sure whether to call them good. Uh, Mitch Marner just had the longest point streak in team history uh, just ended uh, this weekend. And until he was like a game or two away, people were not sure whether to say he was playing good hockey. It's, it's the most nervous um, walking on eggshells market uh, in possibly all of sports right now because the team is very, very good and no one knows if it's going to matter in a couple of months. I I know people get annoyed with Leafs fans for this kind of thing, but uh, I think it's hilarious. It's it's kind of one of my favorite hockey things. How oh, it's objectively funny. And and yeah. the way that the, the bubble popped with um, Jimmy Vesey having the game of his life uh, to end that 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 streak, uh, was the perfect, most perfect thing possible for those who uh, who don't watch those long like behind the scenes Amazon things. The Leafs did one of those behind the scenes Amazon things, and uh, VC was uh, there was there's like a sit down with VC where they're just like, "What are you as a player? You're not doing anything for us." And then he has the game of his life, and that ends this miracle run, starts the chaos. Uh, Spectre all all over again in town. So yeah, the the Leafs are objectively funny in their chaos, even when they're winning. Outstanding. So the first thing I kind of want to talk about um, is the goaltending, because unlike most teams that I've talked about with people for these little pregames, the Leafs goalies have split the games exactly down the middle. 12 starts for Samsonov, 12 starts for Matt Murray. Both of them have pretty good numbers. Sam Sonov has a 929, Matt Murray a 925. Um, I know that the goaltending heading into the season was kind of like a, oh no, what are they, what are they doing there with the goaltending? Seems like it's going to be messy, but just looking at the numbers, it looks like it's going pretty well. Is it going pretty well? 
I, I mean, I'd say so. Both those guys are near the, uh, the top of the league in save percentage. I think uh, Samsonov, uh, and we found out recently that he prefers Samsonov instead of Samsonov. So a lot of us have, uh, yeah, no, it's okay. It's not just you. It's It's been this entire city. It's like that huge, oh, no. Um, at least he made it clear. Like, John Tavares won't even make it clear uh, whether he's Tavares or Tavares. He even says that he uses both, and it's like, okay, what use are you then? We're just going to make stuff up. Um, anyway, he's he was near the top. I think he was at the top of the league until his loss to, to Washington on Saturday, and uh, Murray has exceeded expectations as well. Uh, I, I think they're they're pretty happy with it being a split, though some of that is coincidence. Murray was injured for a bit, so was Samsonov. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why there's that little block that, that is Eric Schalgren trying his best uh, for 10 games as well, uh, and he was under the, uh, the 900 mark, but at the same time, what do you expect out of a guy who's basically been dragged into the NHL early for two consecutive seasons? Uh, health is really the only the only thing holding this duo back right now, which in a really? sense you thought was a best-case scenario, but still didn't really believe that it was going to, to come to pass. Uh, obviously, Samsonov's a very talented young goalie, and things just didn't work. Uh, with, um, with, with everything at first uh, in Washington. And then Murray, uh, huge start to his NHL career, two quick and easy Stanley Cups, see you later. Um, then, um, then injuries and just his technique wasn't – started to fall behind where the rest of the league was at, and Ottawa obviously wasn't a great spot for him. Uh, but he seems to have picked it up, especially after that first injury that kind of – concerned everybody to see him go down after his first game in Toronto. So somehow what was considered their biggest weakness going into the season has now become their strength. Yeah, that's uh, it's kind of what you want to see happen with your hockey team. I'm having a lot of existential Flyers thoughts. So like when I have these conversations, it's like, oh, that sounds nice. And hey, I mean, hearts look pretty good this year, has he not? Heart is the, the only good thing about the Flyers season, really. Fair consistently anyway um guys like Konechny like he's having a pretty good season but you know one guy scoring goals isn't gonna get you very far yeah um you did mention the Leafs defense which is another thing where I I think that like from the outside looking at the Leafs that's one of those things that you think okay maybe they're a little thin on defense I guess especially comparative to what they've got on offense um for a team that's been winning, you know, nearly every game over the last couple of months, I'm sure there's not a ton of weakness to be found in their game. But um, if there was a weakness, would you say it's the defense or is it something else? I'd actually say the opposite. And I think this is something that has been a misconception about the organization over the past uh, few years. Like a lot of people remember that first year where they came back into the playoffs and it was all just kind of, all-out offense, uh, just try to score the lids off of teams, and people thought that that was going to be the long-term direction of the group. Um, I think you've seen in these past couple of seasons, they've been more intense, almost to a fault, about getting better uh, defensively. Um, and once one actually kind of looked at what the roster was going into this year, it was like, all right, if Jake Muzzin's healthy, he's a guy with some serious pedigree. Morgan Riley uh, is a high-end uh, defenseman not the strongest in the D zone, but he at least kind of pushes differential for you. If you get more out of TJ Brody and Mark Giordano, that looks like they're primes. You're you're in some pretty good shape there. You have 
uh, Rasmus Sandin, Timothy Lilligren, both guys who were pretty decently uh, ranked uh, defensive prospects um, that people were hoping to see a step from. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And some of that has kind of not worked out. I mean, Muzzin, unfortunately, it seems like uh, they've seen the last of him for this season. He only got a couple of games in uh, before uh, suffering a neck injury. Uh, but then you look at the rest of the group, and it's they, they've been keeping the puck away from the net. I think they're... Um, they're they're definitely in the top ten for for shots um, prevented uh, per uh, per game per hour whatever you you want to use uh, their expected goals against rate is very good uh, they they're very strong at keeping pucks away from the net front which for whatever reason I think because they don't have like ten hammers in the back uh, people think oh well the Leafs can't clear the net they're soft they don't they they're not going to punch you in the face if you get there but shots never seem to come from there. Um, so they've done some, some good work there. Giordano looks very, very good. Um, the, the, the two young Swedes that were mentioned, uh, have looked good. Justin Hall kind of is the team's whipping boy to the public eye, but, uh, he brings value in how he's able to control, um, other teams zone entries and kind of suffocate them a bit. Um, and they've looked super strong, uh, in that regard, even without Riley, they're giving up a little bit more shot volume, but the quality has been good. Uh, they brought in Connor Timmins, needing some extra depth after all these injuries they suffer. They easily have to be um, the team with the most man games lost on defense, and he's been great. He's had six assists in seven games uh, while providing solid defensive play. So if anything, I would look at the Leafs as a team that's proven that they have strong defensive depth, both on the higher end. They have several like top four quality guys, a couple of emerging um, younger options and several other guys who can kind of play um, bottom end minutes if they need to, like the Matt Hollowells, the Victor Mettes, the um, Jordy Benz. Uh, it's more on the forward end where there's a lack of secondary scoring and like this mm. bottom half of the lineup is just trying to, you know, kill time uh, that I think is a bigger issue. And that might sound backwards to people. The perception for so long has been, uh, the Leafs are this all-out attack team, but the reality is that they they have four incredibly gifted superstar forwards, and then after that, the team seems to be trying to play zero zero when they're off the ice. So oddly enough, then the definable weakness in the Toronto Maple Leafs game is scoring. scoring. That's wild. Yeah, but- yeah, I think they're like 16th in the league in goals for right now, uh, which no one would expect. And they're like second in goals against. Uh, it's it's so weird of a of a misconception. And don't get me wrong, the the guys that they're actually paying, the forwards are paying money, are playing great. Austin Matthews is Austin Matthews. Mitch Marner again had the longest point streak in Leafs history not too long mm-hmm. ago. William Nylander is playing apparently playing himself out of a job by being too good. Uh, again, don't 
don't ask Toronto media. I don't understand. Uh, John Tavares has had a had a bounce back year as well. Like those guys are doing fantastic. They're 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 producing very very well. Uh, it's just the rest of the lineup. The, the the scoring just has has not really been there. Michael Bunting's picking it up a little bit, and he, but he might get uh, 15, 20 goals uh, by the end of the season. Alex Kerfoot scored two uh, scored two even strength goals the other day, and it was a big deal because it was the first time he'd done. He scored any even strength goals in like over a year. Um, Kelly Yarncroke's only at five. Pierre Engvall's only got 10 points. Uh, they're doing other jobs, and that's fantastic, but it's really just the top end. And then and, and then all of a sudden, everyone's trying to kind of play sh- shut down or complimentary hockey. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, totally to the opposite of the, the Leafs' reputation. So how... How are the Leafs losing games then? Because they're not losing a lot. So what's happening in these games that they are losing that's leading them there? It's tough to say because, I mean, the games they lose are close. Uh, Like I mentioned uh, a couple minutes ago, they've only lost by more than two goals once the entire season. Um, And obviously they've they've only lost the 13 combined games um, throughout the year. Now the big one is overtime has been – unkind to them. I think they maybe have one, uh, I want to say one OT win and six, uh, no, two OT wins and six losses this year. Um, and some, there's some feeling that it might be, uh, the people that they, that they put out that maybe it's K. Mitch Marner might be holding on to the puck too long or, or Morgan Riley goes out there and he'll, he'll blow an assignment and there's an odd man rush the other way. It's usually those two who, go out with one of Tavares or, or Matthews. Obviously, it's changed a little bit with um, with Riley out at the moment. So that's where you can look to for some other drop points. And then the rest of it, I think it's pretty much just um, a good hockey team falling to the falling to the coin toss because, yeah, like even just kind of glancing at this now, it's like they had the, they, they, they the two-goal loss to Arizona that freaked everybody out. Mm. Um, two goals to... Two goals to Vegas, two goals to Pittsburgh, um, two to the Rangers, and then three to the Caps. But like other than that, it's one goal. It's OT, um, and and maybe there's maybe that's kind of part of what I was saying before about them playing to zero zero when they don't have the big guys on. Is yeah. this is kind of the risk you run when you're an elite team that's not trying to to get into a goal fest? Is when the volume is lower. Um, you're you're more likely to end in in an unlucky, uh, so to say, outcome. That doesn't necessarily mean that if the Leafs are playing for eight six hockey, you know, my dream, uh, that they'd be undefeated. <laughs> but at the same time, there there are going to be fewer games where you where you can say, oh well, it just uh, it didn't go our way because you have more control of your own destiny. So I I think that plays into it. It's that in the and the OTs have just been very, very cruel to uh, to a team that people would otherwise think would be really great at three on three. You would think does uh does the coach do the stupid thing on three on three where you just like play defense the entire time and then take a shot or do they? Actually- uh, I, mean, I, I mean, the OTs have just kind of ended quickly for them. It just seems that uh-huh. when whatever the first shot um, they give up is uh, that that's that. Um, it's uh 
it, it's hard to explain. I mean, it's it's easy to, to to sit there and try to pin it on the one or two players that I mentioned before. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's uh, I think it mostly just comes down to shit happens. It does, and that's I think mostly why we love this stupid game so much because I think like eighty percent of it is just shit happens, and then uh, nerds try to figure it out. Right. So outside of all of these you know, all-stars that are on this team. Is there anybody playing particularly well that we should keep an eye on? Um, Michael Bunting's been quite good. Uh, I think he's on a bit of a scoring streak at the moment. Uh, obviously, he was known last year for being 600 years old and being a Calder Trophy <laughs> finalist and putting up 60 points. So as a 602-year-old, I expect him to be a back-to-back Calder Trophy finalist this year. No, um, he, he, he he's a fun player. He, he gets under people's skins including the linesman apparently yesterday. I'm not sure if you saw that, um, but uh, he had a linesman shot, shove him off the ice, uh, which was fun. Um, so he's, he's yeah, he's just a great under-your-skin guy. Um, Timothy Luigrin and Rasmus Sandin, I mentioned them before. Um, They're emerging into a, a great pair of young defensemen. Um, Luigrin is 23, and uh, I think Sandin's 22. And they both have like a strong transition game to them, a little bit of physical edge as well. Um, so I'd be on the I'd be on the lookout for them. And then whoever's in net, I believe um, they're going back to Murray, but I might actually be wrong. Uh, both of them have been fantastic. So uh, you ideally want them to keep that up, but um, I mean, here's the thing: is knowing this, uh, know, knowing the way this team operates. Uh, this could be a trap game this time instead of um, another block in the uh, the big winning run. God, if they don't just like try to score 400 goals on the Philadelphia Flyers, I'm going to be very disappointed. Yeah, I mean, there's a good chance you're going to be disappointed. I mean, I could be wrong. I thought for sure that that game against the Ducks was going to be trap game city for them. Uh, and then they rolled them seven, uh, seven to nothing. So mm-hmm. it's definitely a possibility, but I'm not going to lie. I don't have as good of a feeling this time as I did last time. And not for any reason that um, that they shouldn't win or that I think that they can't. It's just just feels uh, like uh, one of those where it could happen and where, where it could go the other way. Now that said, um, these, these next uh, generation games are like Mitch Marner's catnip. Um, he, <laughs> he turns into super triple Gretzky when he gets to, to play in front of players in his age bracket or fans in his age bracket rather. So also a chance that he goes and just balls out for 60 minutes. So really it could go either way. I wouldn't be mad about that, to be honest. Um, so that said, what's your, uh, your absolutely going to be correct final score prediction for this one? Ooh, um, see again, the trap is there same time Marner playing in front of the kids is there. Let's kind of meet down the middle and say he's going to score like right away, but it's somehow going to be a four, two loss, uh, mm-hmm. for Toronto, a four, two win for the Flyers. Uh, which will be a one plus an empty netter. Um, somehow Risto's going to score, and it's just going to be like nauseating um, in both markets. I don't know. I, I I just if if we're going to lean into memes the first time and it's going to work, you kind of have to this time. Um, and I, I I think like with the with the smart proper brain, um, you 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 think this is probably another route, but there's just that simple like want to rely on the way it's always been 
uh, brain that sees that and sees that it's going to be chaos if they lose three or four. Um, it just it, it feels narrative good. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, uh, I think uh, you guys might win uh, this next one. So here's the thing. Um, I have a bet with Charlie O'Connor. I'm yep. sure you know of him. Um, of we have a bet on which of Justin Braun or Rasmus Ristolainen will score a point first this season. I took Justin Braun. He's got Risto. So I need you just kind of as a favor to me to not put out into the universe that Rasmus Ristolainen gets a point tomorrow because I really need Charlie to lose. What happens if they get it at the same time? Like on the same goal? Yeah. Oh, God. I don't know. Does the universe implode on itself? I'm not sure what happens. I mean, do you defer to the goal scorer if they're both the assists? Is it the primary? Or I mean, But I mean, but then it could be the secondary because he's the first to make the play on the point. I don't know. There, there, there's so many possibilities there. Yeah, you might have to like get into Micah's new like setting thing that he's doing with like what's the most important part of getting to a goal. I don't know. We never really discussed those kinds of terms. Now I kind of want that to happen because it's so chaotic. Yeah. So, so let's put that on. Let's put that on the board. That'll be the second goal of the game. Okay. So it'll be like, uh, somehow it'll be something completely unhinged, like Tony D'Angelo from Justin Braun and Rasmus Ristolainen. And somehow there yeah. are three defensemen on the ice. And yeah. One of them is scoring a goal. <laughs> I'm going to say, uh, I'm saying five, two Leafs. That's where I'm going. You're, you're going to go back to the well. I respect yep. it. Yep. I'm going to say that it's going to repeat itself. And, uh, I'm going to be right this time for Sweet. fun. <laughs> Jeff, thank you so much for doing this. If you would like to, you can tell people where they can find you on the internet. You can find me at uh, canadasportsbetting.ca. That's where I do my day job work. You can also find me on Twitter at, uh, well, as long as we still have Twitter, at um, at Jeff Vayette, J-E-F-F, V as in Victor, E-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. Yes. A wonderful follow on twitter.com if you like hockey i would highly suggest doing that jeff thank you again um hope you really enjoy the afternoon hockey i think i'm going to and i hope that you have a lovely holiday same to you this was a blast as always all right everyone enjoy the game go flyers i guess the 2022 cdc clinical practice guideline for prescribing opioids for pain can help you work with patients to make decisions that prioritize their overall well-being find trainings tools, resources, and more at cdc.gov slash opioid guideline. What is up, Astros fans? This is Jeff Balke and my partner, former Astro Jeff Blum from the Believe in Astros podcast to tell you baseball is back and we've got your world champion Houston Astros covered. Every week we go inside the clubhouse, break down the games, discuss the players, and give you everything you need to know about the Houston Astros baseball organization with special guests and a few surprises all summer and into the postseason. So tune in to the Believe in Astros podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V on Apple. Spotify, YouTube, and everywhere you get your podcasts, go Astros.